This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey there, welcome to The Tint. I'm your host, Scott Fellman, and it's time again for another foray into the world of aquariums from a slightly different perspective. In the aquarium hobby, we have this obsession with crystal clear water. Now, I'm not talking about water devoid of color. We've sort of reached the point where tinted water is accepted and even desired. That's like a huge mental shift that our community's made. In fact, in the hobby in general, you're starting to see a sort of acceptance of it. It's kind of cool. However, when it comes to clarity, that's still sort of a frontier for a lot of hobbyists, perhaps a bridge too far for some. That's a different mental shift. I wanted to return to this clarity idea again today because there are some aspects of clarity that I think are sort of unique to the botanical style aquarium. Of course, since botanical style aquariums are conceived to literally operate differently in the first place, you've likely noticed that the, uh, they display a number of characteristics which make them different from more conventional systems in function and appearance. And that's good. I'm glad you noticed that. One of the things you might notice right from the start is that botanical-style tanks seem to have an initial sort of haze or turbidity that's a little bit slow to clear, or sometimes it comes a few days later. Now, part of this is no doubt due to the breakdown of the leaves and the pods and all that stuff that we use. Surface dirt, lignin, and other compounds bound up in the tissues of the botanicals released into the water upon initial submergence and after preparation of the materials are evident. Remember, just because the water in a botanical-influenced aquarium system is brownish doesn't mean that it's of low quality or dirty, as we're inclined to say. Uh, it simply means that tannins, humic substances, and other materials and organics are leaching into the water, creating a characteristic color that some of us geeks find rather attractive. If you're still concerned, monitor the water quality. Perform a nitrate test. To look at the health of your animals. What's happening in there? Perhaps it's something innocuous. People ask me a lot if botanicals create, you know, cloudy water in their aquariums, and I have to give the responsible answer. Yeah, of course they can. If you place a large quantity of just about anything that decomposes in water, the potential for cloudiness caused by a bloom of bacteria exists. The reality if you don't, is that if you don't add three pounds of botanicals to your 20-gallon aquarium, you're not likely to see this kind of a bloom. It's about logic, common sense, and yes, going slowly. For that matter, plain old dirt and dust bound up on the surface tissues of many botanicals will be released despite our best efforts of preparing them for use. Some stuff simply leaches into the water. And the fact that many of us tend to not use a lot of chemical filtration media in our tanks might have some impact on that as well. It's also becoming sort of a thing now to use the formerly unthinkable sedimented substrate materials, which will, by their very com you know, composition, impart some cloudiness into the water for a few days or more after they're submerged. When we developed uh, our uh, nature-based line of sedimented substrates, we made it very clear that this is what's going to happen because you don't rinse them like you would more traditional substrates. The cloudiness, which inevitably occurs, is simply part of the process. This is typically a temporary cloudiness, and it'll subside over time. It's not something that'll forever haunt your aquarium, trust me. And it's kind of cool, really, because it sort of replicates what occurs in natural aquatic systems upon the initial submersion of, formerly, of a formerly you know, terrestrial habitat. This cloudiness is representative of a fundamental shift in how we operate our aquariums. 
Now, another reason for this cloudiness or haziness is biological. Often you'll experience a burst of microorganism or bacterial growth, which impacts the visual clarity as populations multiply rapidly in the sort of fertile environment of a botanical system with its wealth of organic materials supplied by the decomposing matter upon which these life forms feed. Makes sense. And then there's a, that what we call infusoria, or what we you know, in the past have called that. One only needs to reflect on the classic infusoria cultures, which every fish breeder can recall from his you know, or her early experiences. They're really cloudy. Remember, infusoria, as we define it, is a collective term for aquatic organisms like eugalinoids, unicellular algae, ciliates, protozoa, etc. Now, in modern formal biological classification, the term infusoria is considered an antiquated obsolete descriptor, as most of the organisms previously included in that collective term, infusoria, have been assigned to different assemblage of taxonomic groups. Nonetheless, it's a charming, albeit somewhat antiquated term that's still used in aquarium circles to describe the little organisms that arise when you soak some, you know, blanched lettuce or vegetable skin or whatever in a jar of water. Or when dried botanical material is submerged in water, right? Yes. Depending upon the density of the amount and, and, and the amount of the materials and the populations of the organisms in play, you could expect to see considerable cloudiness. Now, I've placed a few drops of tank water under a microscope early in the life of several botanical-style tanks of, over the years, and I did see some microorganisms swimming in there. Of course, I'm not a microbiologist, and for me to make any conclusive statements about density or diversity of life forms that I saw swimming around is just a bit too amateurish. That being said, in most of these samples, I saw a fair amount of some sort of life swimming in the water. Generally, I find that some of the cloudiness will typically clear after a week or two, as the tug-of-war between bacteria and the okay, infusoria, and achieves a sort of equilibrium. And as mentioned above, the cloudiness could also be caused, at least in part, by a continuous dissolving of the botanicals themselves. When you think about it, most plant parts, like seed pods and stuff like that, are composed of materials like lignin and cellulose, and their constituent sugars and starches and some of these things, because of their composition, will be released into the water column. This can happen over time, sort of becoming a new normal for your botanical-style aquarium. Of course, the idea of cloudiness in general may be a tip-off to some other ideas in the aquarium. And as we all know, cloudiness can be caused by a few factors. In our case, you know, in improperly cleaned uh, substrate or decorative materials like driftwood, etc., which creates that haze of micro-sized dust particles which float in the water column seemingly forever. <laughs> Bacterial blooms, typically caused by heavy bioload and the system is not capable of handling it handling it you know like a new tank with a filter that's not fully established and a ton of livestock at it or you know whatever and you get that nasty kind of smell to it as well uh, algae blooms which can cause both cloudiness and can color the water which are usually caused by excess nutrients and too much light for a given system and of course there's poor husbandry which again results in a heavy decomposition and bacterial blooms and biological waste affecting the water clarity. This is, of course, a rather urgent matter, and you need to attend it, as there's, you know, possible serious consequences to your aquarium. And curiously enough, the remedy for, quote, cloudy water in virtually every situation has always been similar. Water exchanges, you know, use of chemical filtration media like carbon or whatever, reducing light in the case of algae blooms, just improved husbandry techniques, you know, better feeding practices, more frequent maintenance, you know, better stocking, and perhaps most important, the passage of time. The passage of time is the one I like the best. That's something that we here in the botanical world know very well. 
Now, with the cloudiness caused by our technique or application of botanicals, it's a slightly different story. These are sort of natural consequences of what we do. Now, sure, you could intervene in this if you wanted to, performing large water exchanges and plane chemical and very fine mechanical filtration, media, all that kind of stuff. Personally, I've learned over the years not to let this stuff phase me. I suppose I'm so deep in my own mindset about letting nature do its thing that I don't do much to combat it because it just almost always passes on its own. Once this initial microbial phase passes, there's other aspects to the water clarity which will continue to emerge. And I think that these aspects are similar to what we observe in nature in many wild habitats. For example, I've noticed a lot of my aquariums, particularly those with certain type of wood like uh, mangrove or melastoma root, the Borneo roots that we play with, with those kind of things, you get a little more of this patina to the water. Again, I'm in the realm of speculation here, but I can't help but wonder if certain wood and botanical materials and leaves have a greater content of organic materials or more readily release these materials into the water because of their structure and lignans and tannins and all that stuff. One of my friends calls this flavor, and this moniker kind of makes sense when you think about it. And I think that this is a really interesting phenomenon, which is distinctive to our botanical blackwater or brackish type of aquarium that we play with. To accept it as a choice, and it definitely requires the adoption of a mental shift, yes, another mental shift, to appreciate that this is very similar to what we see in many of the natural aquatic systems that we attempt to replicate. Just look at the pictures we study, we put out on our website, our friend Ty Streitman and Mike Tucanardi and uh, Thomas Manessi put out of, of some of the really interesting habitats they visit. You see the same phenomenon. In nature, the accumulations of decomposing plant materials, leaves, soils, and sediments all contribute to this cloudiness or turbidity of the water. In aquariums, it's pretty much the same. Yes, I understand that an aquarium is not an open natural system and that there's fundamental differences between the two. However, to see some of these processes, aesthetics, and what we call functional analogs, uh, i.e. the way materials break down, redistribute, and how water chemistry is affected by it, etc., take place in our aquariums, we can't help but think that we're sort of onto something here. What happens in the wild often happens in the aquarium if we let it play out. So yeah, our aquariums may not have the crystal clear colorless water, which many hobbyists envision when they think of, you know, what an aquarium should look like. Yet with the continued evolving work, which our community is doing, that being you, we'll continue to discuss and analyze and debate the merits of such clarity profiles in our systems. Nature, which is our muse and our inspiration for pretty much everything we do, provides an unlimited number of examples of elegant, healthy, well-balanced aquatic habitats, which look quite contrary to what we've come to expect as hobbyists over the years. As we've discussed a lot lately, we're absolutely obsessed with the natural processes and aesthetics of decomposing materials in our aquariums. And of course, this comes with the requirement of us to accept some unique characteristics, right? We've taken our first tentative footsteps beyond what has long been accepted and understood in the hobby. And we're starting to ask new questions, make new observations. Yes, we make mistakes. And yeah, we also make a few discoveries which will evolve the aquarium hobby in the future. So there may be clouds in your tank, but certainly not in the hobby's horizon. Stay with this stuff. Stay curious. Stay observant. Stay engaged. Stay bold. And always stay wet. Until next time, this is Scott Fellman from Tin and Aquatics. Thanks for spending part of your day with me, and I look forward to seeing you on the next installment of The Tin.